Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. I was was asleep, and so I went online, and I I Googled it, and that song came up, and I listened to it, and I was like, man, those are the words that we need to hear to set up this message, and as soon as I heard it, I was like, Tierra needs to sing that, and so I text Josh, and I was like, Josh, do you think Tierra will sing this song? for me before, not, not for me, but for us before we, before, before this sermon. And he was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. But, um, but she, man, thank you, Tierra. What a great job. What an awesome job. Y'all have no idea how hard it is to just stand up in front of you guys and just sing all by yourself with all of y'all looking at her. And she knows it's not a worship song for you guys to stand and join in. So um, excellent, excellent job. But the words of that song, this, like, this idea of just do the next right thing. Like when you don't know what to do, just do the next right thing. In this series of, of every moment, we've been talking about um, God is with us in every moment, that he never leaves us, he never turns his back on us. We also talked about we need to be ready for every moment. And so over the last several weeks, we've talked about how do we be ready for every moment. First of all, we got to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need to have faith in every moment that God right now will do what he said he would do. But we also need to have hope. We, we must never lose the hope that God can do in the future what he said that he can do. Because the moment that we lose hope, we become paralyzed. We, um, we become less effective and less efficient. And then last week we looked at we have to have love. That if we don't have love, we're nothing and we're just making noise. And we're not accomplishing anything and we're, we're, it's pointless to do anything without love. Today we're going to talk about the, the last piece of this, how to be ready. How to be ready is just to be ready to do the next right thing in every moment. In James, if you have your book uh, Bibles, go to the book of James. I'm going to begin in verse 13, uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 13. James says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a midst that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Here he's saying, you ought to say that... that If the Lord wills, I will go there and I will do this. And the reason that you ought to say this um, is to remind yourself that God is in control of every moment. It's to remind yourself that you're not in control. You, You may make some plans, but your plans, they have to bow to God's plans. That God is in control of every moment, but maybe um, it's not a matter of reminding yourself that. Maybe you need to come to know that. And so saying that will not necessarily remind those who don't yet believe that or don't know that, but it will begin to to get that into your head. Essentially, it will teach you that. If you you, um, can think about different 
areas of your life where you said something over and over and over until you actually believed it. This is what happens a lot of times with our memories. Our memories, we think that our memories are like these, um, these, these things in our minds that are set and they're concrete. And so once I remember what happened today, that will always be in this box of the truth of what happened today, no matter when. And I just go back to it and it's set right there. But that's not really the way that our memories work. If you begin to tell yourself that you did not come to church today, if you tell yourself that over and over and over and over and over again, maybe even by the time next Sunday comes, if not at some point in the future, you will truly believe that you didn't come to church today. That's just the way our minds and our memories work. And so there's power of life and death in our tongue. There's power in repetition. But we need to make sure that we are cognizant and aware and speaking the fact that God is in control. And he gets to determine where I go and what I do and when I go there and when I do it. And the other reason that I believe um, that God is telling us and reminding us of this is because God doesn't often lead us in a straight line. Not in a straight line in the way that we think. You know, we, we like to create straight lines. We like to say, you know, you go to school, then you go to high school, and then you graduate high school, and then you go to college, and then you get a good job and get married and buy a house and retire and live happily ever after. We, we have this straight line. But how many of y'all have lived long enough to know that, man, you're, the life of your line of your life hasn't been straight <laughs> right? Like I was, I was thinking about this and I was praying about this. I was like, God, my life, the line of my life has not been straight at all. It like started here and it looked like it was straight. And then it kind of took a detour, but then it looked like it was straight. And then all of a sudden it went like way over there. And then I was like, wait, but then it came back over here and, and it's just like this zigzag. But, but I'm like, but God, your word tells me that you will make my path straight. And God said this to me. He said, he said, yeah, you don't see your, the line of your life as straight, but I do. Because I know the end from the beginning. It looks to you like you're zigzagging, but to me, this is, this is the path. And yeah, yeah, you got off a little bit here, but we're always making adjustments. I'm always getting you back in line. And man, this is so good for us, right? Because we look at where we've been, we look at where we want to go, and we say, man, I don't see the straight lines. And God's like, it's all right. You don't have to see the straight lines because they're straight to God. They're not necessarily straight to us. This isn't just in your life and my life. You can go through the scriptures and see how um, almost no one in the scriptures' lives were straight. <laughs> they didn't have straight lines. It was this weird diagonal crisscross back and forth path that so many of them took. Now, sometimes our, our paths are not straight. Our lines are not straight in our eyes because we messed them up. Because we went in a different direction because we got off track. But sometimes, and we've looked at this over the last several weeks, you could be right in the middle of what God wants you to do and it could be a zigzag. I think there's a part of us, especially us as Christians, that need to realize that God's line for our lives is not going to be straight like we think our lives are going to be straight. I think some of us have to give up on this, um, these plans that we have to make these straight and tight and narrow paths for ourselves from here to the future that we think we want. 
Because when we do that, what we're doing is we are pushing God out of the way. And we're saying, I am going to go here and I am going to do this. And God is clearly saying, no, 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 you don't know. You don't know what you're going to do tomorrow, what tomorrow may hold. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know what's going to happen between here and there. You don't know when you wake up tomorrow what's going to happen in the world or what's going to happen in your house. Or You don't know. What you ought to say is, God, whatever you want me to do, that's the path. That's the line I'm going on. And, God, you'll make it straight even if I never see that it's straight. But then he says that it is our boasting and our arrogance which is evil in how we say we're going to go here and we're going to do this. And we're, we, we know what our future holds. It's boasting. It's arrogance. And God goes as far as to say it's evil. Why is it evil? Not because you made a plan. God wants us to plan. Planning is not evil. It's the trusting in that plan. It's the I know how to get from here to there. That God doesn't just say it's boastful. He doesn't just say it's arrogant. He says it's evil. And I don't know about you, but for me, like whenever God says something is evil, that's the thing I want to stay away from. <laughs> like, like, like I, I, we say this um, in, 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 at least in, in the circles I'm in and preaching, like, like major on the major things and minor on the minor things. Right, So the things in scriptures that are there once or twice maybe um, that the Bible doesn't really talk a whole lot about, don't spend all your time um, preaching on that because that's not the major things that God is emphasizing to us. Emphasize the things that God emphasizes. Major on the things God majors on. And and so so in doing that, I'm going to major on the fact that God leads me, God guides me, God is the one who directs my path and my step. He is the one who makes everything straight. And so if he says something is evil, that seems like something he's majoring on to me. That seems like something that I don't, I, I don't think there's any evil in heaven. So, so I want to make sure I stay as far away from evil as I can because I'm trying to live in Christ, in God, as, as it is heaven is on earth. And if there's no evil in heaven, then I don't want to have any evil in my life. In verse 17 of James chapter 4, it says this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now let's break this down. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So when we talk about doing the next right thing in every moment, The next right thing is not determined by you. The next right thing is determined by God. Because God is the only one that's good. God is the only one that is truly right and righteous. God is the only one who knows the next right thing. And so we have to rely on that. That's why we can't say, I am going to go here because I believe that's the next right thing. I am going to do this because I believe that's the next right thing. No, we must get to the place where we say, God, whatever you will, whatever you desire, wherever you're leading me, that is where I'll go. And that is what I'll do because you get to determine what is the next right thing. Well, what happens in this is, If you've ever, and I know many of you all have, you've done this and you've tried to live this. And what happens is you get into these moments 
where you know what the next right thing is, but the next right thing looks as if it's not going to work out for your good. Or you don't know how the next right thing is going to work out for your good. And in those moments, you have a choice to make because you know the next right thing. You know you shouldn't tell a lie right here in this moment where they're asking you something that actually telling a lie or not telling the whole truth would benefit you. You know that in this moment, telling the full truth could even hinder you or harm you. You, you know this. You understand this. And you have a choice to make in this moment. Are you going to choose the next right thing? Or are you going to choose the next easy thing? Are you going to choose the difficult thing that is God saying the right thing? Or are you going to choose that thing that you believe is going to work out best for you? When you don't know how it's going to work out, I would challenge you to make sure and press in in those moments to do the next right thing, especially when you don't know how it's going to work out. Why I say that? Because I see throughout the scriptures where God is leading people in this way. If you remember the story of Abram, God told Abram to go to a land that he would show him. Abram didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how this was going to work out. He had to leave everything and just take a step of faith and do what God told him to do, do that next right thing, which was leave everything that he knew. Um, how about, how about uh, the army of people that were marching around the walls of Jericho? They didn't know, if you go back and read that, they didn't have the promise that the walls were going to come down. They only knew and only had the instruction that they were to march. And then to scream. So as they are marching, they're doing the next right thing because it's the thing that God wanted them to do. They didn't know how that was going to work out. They surely looked foolish just walking and marching around these walls. And then they were told, like, after seven times, we're going to scream. And, like, how foolish is that? Like, what is that? That's going to draw attention to us. That's going to get us taken out. This is not going to work out for our good. Like, we are not ready for this. And they go, and they're doing the next right thing and walking around around those walls one time and then they're doing the next right thing walking around them a second time because they had to walk around them seven times and then a third time and then a fourth time and then a fifth time and nothing is happening they've been doing this for days and then a sixth time and then a seventh time and now all of a sudden it's time for them to scream and they scream and then they saw something that they had no idea would happen with these walls come down and then they had the victory. But why? It wasn't because they knew what was going to happen at the end. It's not because they already knew the end from the beginning like God, but they knew to do the next right thing. How about Jesus? Jesus consistently told the disciples the next right thing, but he almost never told them the whole right thing. Right? I think of the time when Jesus is going and he, and he stops at the well and he tells the disciples to go get him some food and bring him back some food. What he told them to do was go get some food. Go into this place with a bunch of people that didn't like them and didn't look like them and were their enemies and go get some food from these people. And they come back with the food. And if you remember the story, they come back with the food and she's like, yeah, yeah, I got food you don't know about. Well, Jesus, I wish you would have told me that before I had to go humble myself to my enemies and seek out this food that you didn't even really want. Like, we would have got you McDonald's instead of Hop Dottie if we'd have known you weren't going to eat it. He told them the next right thing. He very rarely, if ever, told them the whole right thing. But we want God to tell us the big picture. We want him to tell us everything that's going to happen, but it's going to come down to this decision of these moments 
where we're going to have to decide whether we're going to do the next right thing or whether we're going to do the thing that we want to do or the thing that's easiest or the thing that we've always done. It's going to come down to what Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 says. It says, see, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. And we know we get to choose, but we have to choose. In doing this next right thing, um, here in verse 17, it says, whoever knows the right thing to do, whoever knows the right thing to do, whoever knows the right thing to do. So God expects us to do the next right thing according to what we know. In Romans chapter 2, verse 12, I'm going to read four verses, verse 12 through 16. It says this, it says, for all all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So for those who don't know the, the next right thing to do, God will speak to your heart and your conscience will agree. And at the very same time, your thoughts and your mind will disagree with your heart and your conscience. And your thoughts and your mind will call you foolish. They will accuse you or... They will excuse you from doing right. Your thoughts in your mind will tell you, listen, you don't need to tell the whole truth right here. Nobody else tells the whole truth right here. The only thing that's going to come from you telling the whole truth right here is you are going to be hurt. There's no reason to do it. They're going to excuse you, your thoughts and your mind. My thoughts and my mind are going to excuse me from doing the next right thing. Unless we do what Romans chapter 12 tells us, that we continually renew our mind. We continually transform our thinking to line up with God's word and knowing what not just the next right thing is, but knowing all that God is and wants us to know and do. So, of course, your mind and your thoughts are going to accuse you. And we may talk about that in the next coming weeks, but those are simply lies. Those are lies. And many of you all have heard sermons and you've read scriptures and, and, and you know that you fight those thoughts with your words, with your prayers, with your submission to God. But many times we don't talk about this piece of how our minds and our thoughts excuse us and try to tell us that it don't take all that. You don't, you don't have to do all that. Just tell part of the truth. Now, when this happens, we have decisions to make of are we going to do the next right thing? Are we going to listen to our mind and excuse ourselves? Are we going to believe the, the attacks that accuse us? And this is important because if we continually push God away and don't listen to our heart and our conscience, the Bible tells us that at some point our conscience becomes seared, meaning now our mind and our thoughts, 
they get to speak, they become louder, they become more consistent, and us being able to rely on our heart and our conscience, our conscience becomes seared, and the more that we deny God, the more that, that we don't recognize him in our hearts, and so our heart and our conscience becomes less powerful, and our mind and our thoughts become more powerful, and, in, and when that begins to happen, it becomes harder and harder and harder, not just to hear from God, but to do the next right thing. So it's very important, even in the small things. Um, I, I, was in, I was in Starbucks um, a couple days ago, and, and I walked in, and I, I don't drink coffee, but I, drink, I go and get a tea, and I usually go there to, to get away from the office, which I do a lot now, which is a whole other thing. But I go in, and, and I'm going in, and I walk in, and I'm going to place my order, and I come around, and I see a whole bunch of, like, uh, the sugar packets on the floor, probably 15 sugar packets on the floor. And, and so, you know, I put my bag down, and then I'm, I'm standing, I'm waiting for my drink, and, and I just sense, like, God's like, pick up the sugar packets. I'm like, God, come on. Like, I don't work here. <laughs> like, like, there's 52 people who work here, and there's four people in here. Like, can't one of those 52 that work here, like, can't, I mean, don't they see? I, I don't, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting. And I'd love to tell you, like, man, yeah, I was just quick. I just went, and I was like, man, God, I don't. I got stuff to do. I'm, I'm, this is, I don't have time to, I don't, I'm waiting on my drink. Like, what if I'm picking up the packets and they're handing me my drink and then they're like, oh, thank you so much. I don't, I don't need, I just want to go over here and hide and work. So, so like, I, I'm like waiting and then they, they bring my drink. I take my drink. I was like, thanks. And I go over here and I sit down and God's like, pick up the sugar packets. My God, this doesn't, this doesn't affect anything. Like, they just handed me my drink. They're looking at the same. Like, can't they, they? They work here. They got nothing else to do. All the milk is made. <laughs> like, and, and, and so I, like, started looking around. Like, there weren't a lot of people in there. I was waiting until, like, the, the coworkers were, like, they were looking away. And then I walked over real fast. I scooped them all up, and I threw them in. I went back to my seat real fast. Because what I didn't want was like, oh, you're, so, you're such a saint, you know, thank you. so Like, no, 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 I, don't, I just, I don't even want to do this. I'm just doing this because God told me to do it. I don't I have no idea how this will work. And, I, and, 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 and you know what? And so I just, I just did it because I, I felt like <laughs> it was the next right thing. Like it was what God was telling me to do. And, you know, I don't have any great ending to that story. No, but I think this is important, right? Because we think like when God tells us to do something like that, like then somebody's going to walk up and give you $100. Or somebody's going to walk up and say, oh, you must be a Christian. Can you tell me about Jesus? Like, no, no, no. Like, nothing happened. Nothing happened. I worked the rest of my time and I left. And, and, and nothing happened. And that's okay. I have no idea how that will work out. Or if anybody, I have no idea. But I knew this is the next right thing that I was supposed to do. And if I even deny doing the next right thing, something as small as picking up some trash, that if I deny that over time, my heart will have a harder time hearing from God and my conscience will become seared. So I'm like, God, I got to talk to people on Sunday and they want to hear from you. They don't want to hear from me. So if you're telling me to pick these up, I got to pick these up because I need you to talk through me. And if my heart gets to the place where I can't hear from you and my conscience gets seared, it's not just me that's in trouble. I can't afford not to pick up those sugar packets. But here's the truth. Just because you may not have a microphone doesn't mean that it's not every bit as important for you to do that next right thing. 
Because if your heart and your conscience gets seared, then it's not just you that's affected. You influence way more people than you realize. I'm out of time, but I'm not. I got so much. Was it, a couple weeks ago, I went to Starbucks. This came, seems to be a theme. It's a different Starbucks, and I'm in line. And, and, um, <laughs> and I'm, I order my, my tea, and, and the lady's like, hey, um, did you and your, uh, your kids go to this carnival? It was several months ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we were there one night. And she goes, oh, your, your boy um, met my boy. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, please let this be Isaiah. Please let this be Isaiah. Because Isaiah is the nice, welcoming, laid back um, always thinking of other people, you know, if this is a story about Isaiah, this is going to be great. If it's a story about Josiah, it's (laughs) 50-50. He could have done the most generous thing this this woman's ever seen in her life, or he could have punched her son. This could go either way. And she's like, yeah, yeah, not your oldest one, your your other one. And I was like, oh, Lord, Lord, please, Lord. And she's like, uh, she said, uh, yeah, we were there, and, and my son has autism. And I was like, oh, Lord, she doesn't look like she's getting angry as she's telling this, so maybe this is a good story. And she goes, she goes, she goes so, so my son um, got on this ride, and I couldn't get on it with him um, because I was too big, and your son came and got on the ride. Now, part of this is like a parent fail because I have no idea. Like (laughs) I wasn't there. (laughs) Like I took them there, but I have no idea. (laughs) Like I just, (laughs) I got them the band. And then I said like, just come back. You know, (laughs) I was with my baby girl. I was, I was with her and the boys, you got to fend for yourselves. (laughs) So, so she said, my son was on this ride and I couldn't get on. And your son was the only other kid. There weren't a lot of kids there. Your son got on the ride with him and, and your son sat right next to my son. Like, all the seats were open. So, like, Josiah did this on purpose. And so I was like, oh, okay, this sounds like it's going good. I'm just waiting for it. And then he turns around and punches him, right? No, 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 he didn't do that. And so she's sitting there, and, and um, she said, when the ride was over, your son asked my son if he needed some help and asked him if he wanted to ride the ride again. And he, he was like, your son made my son's day. And she goes, because he has autism, most of the time kids shy away from him and they, you know, they don't talk to him or they don't want to sit by him. They don't want to be with him. And, and man, like my whole day was ruined after that. Like I just wanted to go get Josiah out of school and just, just take him and buy all the Legos in the world. Right? Like because, why? Because he did the next right thing and he saw zero results from that but here it was months later he his next right thing had such an impact on this lady that she was like I have to tell you this story and like by the end of it like we're both trying to act like we're not crying okay thanks for my tea you have no idea what your next right thing is going to produce and what God is going to do, who is watching, who you're helping. So never do the next right thing for the blessing that you think is going to come from it. Do the next right thing because God is telling you to do the next right thing. I'm not even halfway through my notes. 
Okay. Let me let me let me close with this. We often determine what the next right thing is um, based on how it's going to affect us. Or maybe, if you're a parent, like how it might affect your parents or somebody really close to you that you love. But when we do this, we're using the wrong scales to measure the next right thing. So essentially what we're doing is we're using um, rulers and yardsticks to try to measure like liquid. Doesn't work. Or we're using cups to try to measure distance. Like that doesn't, you're using the wrong scales when you're using how this is going to affect you and yours with the decision that you need to make in this moment of what the next right thing is. And so how do we make these decisions of what the next right thing is? We have to make sure that we weigh the things, we measure the things on the correct scale. So the, the correct scale is this. First of all, does the Bible already give you an answer? If the Bible already gives you an answer, you don't need to be concerned. You don't even need to ask. You don't need to pray about what the next right thing is. If the next right thing, if the question of the next right thing is telling the truth or not telling the truth, the Bible already tells you the answer. If the next right thing is forgiving or holding a grudge, the Bible already tells you an answer. Like there's so many things that the Bible already tells you an answer. You don't need to be concerned. You don't need to question. You don't even need to pray about what that next right thing is. But the Bible doesn't answer every question that we have for every moment. It doesn't give us the exact instructions of what to do in every moment when we're trying to see what is the next right thing. So the next part of this scale that we need to weigh our options on is what does the Bible say about the principles involved in this decision? So, for example, um, if, if this next right thing is going to cause me to cheat or to steal or to gossip or to lie or like fill in the blank, the Bible says we should not be doing these things if it should cause you to go into sin. Like the next right thing for me is never going to be working in a casino. Because for me, I'm not going in, clocking in and clocking out. Like, they're going to give me a room. They're going to comp me a room. They're going to give me all the Cokes I want, like, because I'm going to be gambling. Like, that's not going to be the next right thing, not because of that, but just because that is a sin that God is not going to lead me into. And so if that's ever the case, I don't have to pray about that because it's going to violate the principles that God has already laid out in Scripture. Thirdly, we have to learn to hear God's voice. The next thing that we need to weigh, like maybe, maybe it's not in the scriptures. Maybe the principles, like I, this next right thing is not going to cause me to lie. It's not going to cause me to cheat or steal or gossip or sin. And, and so, I'm, but I'm still unsure. You need to learn how to hear God's voice. And if you don't yet know, then start with this. God says that the most important thing is to love him with everything that you have and everything that you are. And then love yourself. Love yourself as you love others. So you have to, first of all, in the next right thing, make sure that this is something where you're loving God. Because if you're not loving God in this, it's not the next right thing. You have to make sure that you are loving yourself. Now, loving yourself doesn't mean the thing that's necessarily best for you. Loving yourself, in part, is a daily death to your flesh. If you truly love yourself, you make yourself more and more each day in the image of Christ, crucifying your flesh and building up your spirit. 
And then loving others. Is, is this next right thing? Is it loving others? Now, I don't mean loving like you have to bow to what everybody needs you to do and do what you think is best for them. Sometimes loving others is cutting them off. There is a such thing as tough love. And then you need to calm yourself and pray. You need to pray. I shouldn't have said, and then you should do this first. But in evaluating this, you need to make sure that choosing the next right thing is covered in prayer. And when I say that, I don't, you know, sometimes we can pray, but we're so anxious that we pray prayers that God is not at all answering. Yeah, yeah, I know I've prayed a lot of prayers like y'all pray prayers like this, like, I'm so anxious about this. Like, let's say I need money. God, God, um, can I can I take this new job? Can I take this second job? God, can I please take it? Or God, can I can I take this promotion? God, can I please take this promotion? God, I want this promotion. I've been praying for this promotion. Here's the opportunity. God, surely you want me to take this promotion, right? Like, God, this is more money. This is clearly what you want me to do, right, God? What are we doing when we're doing that? We're saying, God, here's my plan. Bless it. I'm making my path straight. God, I need you to bless it. And you know what happens in those prayers? He does not answer. And so you're like, clearly this is the next right thing. And so you go do it, even though God didn't tell you to do it. But when you flip that around and you say, God, what do you want me to do? God, if it's your will for me to go here and do that, I'll go there and do that. Then God begins to speak to your heart. Then God begins to lead you and guide you, and you can follow peace, and you can trust the peace that God gives. You can trust your heart. You can trust your conscience. In concluding this being ready for every moment, it's all wrapped up together in what we've been talking about to to get the strength and the knowledge and the wisdom and the courage to do the next right thing in every moment. you got to have prayer. You got to be connected to God and talking to God. You got to have faith in every moment. You got to have hope in every moment. You got to have love in every moment. And then it'll be clear to you how to do the next right thing in every moment. So let's not just change our language to say, if God wills. Like, let's not become the Christians who we can't understand what each other's saying because we're so spiritual. And, and, and like, you're like, what? I don't even understand that. But more importantly, let's change our hearts to say, God, as you show me the next right thing, I will go there and I will do that. Can you all agree with that? Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.